Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're excited to be here today. We're excited that God has chosen to uh, allow us to have a brand new day, a day that he's made that we've never seen before that's loaded with benefits. And um, we are... <laughs> We thank God that he looks over our faults and supplies our every need. And today we're going to dive in some things uh, uh, and how to heal our mother wounds and our father wounds and, and get to a place where we can thrive as men of God. So let's just jump right into it today and, and see what the Lord has to say to us. Hallelujah. Let me put it up here for us. That's the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, guys, we've talked about some really big issues in the life of a man. Uh, his relationship with his dad and his mom. And, you know, uh, like me, I can imagine a lot of guys when they were first uh, encountered this and they're thinking, well, what do I do? You know, you're, you're looking at your training guide and you're thinking, I know there's a strategic move I need to make here, but what is it? And so the good news is uh, we're, we're going to uh, learn what to do. Yeah, that's exactly what we do in this session. This is a very practical session that we speak directly into how to deal with issues with dad, how to deal with issues for mom. We're going to lay out some real practical steps, and then we're going to hear from some guys who have done exactly that, have really stepped into both a father wound and a mother wound. We're turning a corner. I mean, you consider where we've been in terms of a man's story. Now it's time for us to not only discover our story, but now begin to figure out, okay, how do I find reconciliation? How do I find peace? How do I find healing in the wounds in my life? And so I think this is going to be a pivotal uh, message, a pivotal session for a lot of men. Yeah, and I think that's where there are hope lies. That's the most encouraging uh, part of this is that this is all about a man and his story. Part of this reconciliation, making peace with dad, making peace with mom can really create some great future chapters if guys will really man up and take these steps. Well, guys, in the last two sessions, we introduced you to the father wound and the mother wound. We talked about having an absent or abusive dad and how that might have affected you. And we talked about how an over-involved mom might be hindering your pursuit of authentic manhood. Well, today, we're going to do something very significant. We're going to challenge and equip each of you to face those wounds head on. We're going to give you practical advice and real-life examples that will help you deal with your own personal situation. We've taken a unique approach to this session, and we think it's going to make it especially helpful for you. We have interviewed regular guys who have had to face the father and mother wound. Now, these guys aren't superheroes. They aren't well-known speakers. They're just normal guys who have bravely chosen to deal with these issues on their journey to authentic manhood. Now, before we hear their stories, I want to lay out some general guidelines for how we can all deal with the wounds in our life. First, if you've been wounded by mom or dad, you've got to choose to deal with this wound responsibly. The easy way is to deal with this wound irresponsibly, to bury the pain, complain, or play the victim. Regardless of mom or dad's role in the situation, the burden ultimately falls to you 
to resolve the situation in your own life. You must reject passivity and accept responsibility if there are unresolved issues which need to be dealt with. Otherwise, you'll never fully be the authentic man you were meant to be. Second, if you've been wounded by mom or dad, you should begin the process of forgiveness. You know, in the New Testament, Paul tells us that just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Think about forgiveness like a pardon. You don't deny the pain. In fact, you acknowledge that you have paid the price for another person's poor choice, but you decide to no longer exact punishment from them in any form or fashion. It means that you are acknowledging the pain that they caused you, but you're choosing to let yourself and them move beyond it. This is not only offering grace to your parents, it's also medicine for your own soul. Nothing in the world is more freeing for any of us than to let go and forgive. Third, if you've been negatively impacted by mom or dad, share your story with some trustworthy men. Find some time to sit down with some safe men, a team you create for yourself, a team of men who love you and cheer for you and want God's best for your life. Tell them your story and how you were affected by your dad or how you need to make a healthy break and put some boundaries up with your mom. Ask them to help you deal with this wound responsibly. In many cases, dealing with wounds is a process. It's not a one-time thing. And you need some teammates to help you navigate through that process. Fourth, if you're married and you've got some unresolved issues from your past, you need to tell your wife. Tell your wife that you recognize the problem and that you'll take the responsibility to correct it. If you'll do that, your wife will respect and admire you as a man. It also invites her into your journey as a man. Fifth, if there are unresolved issues with either parent, then you must deal with these issues, and this may mean having a direct but respectful conversation with mom or dad. Let's talk about what that conversation would look like specifically. Let's look at dad first. If you're a son wounded by dad, we are encouraging you and challenging you to consider seeking direct reconciliation with your father. If you feel a separation from your dad, your dad is probably not going to come to you. This is a chance for you to step into manhood. If you want reconciliation, you need to go to your dad. Even if you've been hurt deeply, you've got to be the one to initiate. If this is you, I want you to consider setting up a time when you can meet with your dad alone, or maybe with your siblings if they feel the same way, and I want you to sit down with him. Then just tell him the truth. Tell him how he has hurt you and tell him, even more importantly, that you can forgive him. Now, you can't control his response. Response doesn't even matter. What matters is that you are stepping into authentic manhood by rejecting passivity and leading courageously. What if there are unresolved issues with mom? If this is you, you've got to create a strategy for making a clean break from mom and for creating a new normal in how you and her relate. You're going to need a plan. And in this plan, you need to identify the specific issues that you're dealing with. What specific areas need to be addressed between you and your mom? Is it her excessive time demand? Is she interfering with you and your wife or you and your kids? Is it a side comment she makes about you or your wife's parenting style? Are you depending too much on mom's checkbook? Does she continue to dote over you like you're her little boy? Once you've identified the specific issues, then you need to create and enforce healthy boundaries. 
Sometimes you can implement these new boundaries without saying anything. But if needed, you must be willing to communicate your plan to mom respectfully and stand your ground regardless of how she responds. And just because you set some boundaries doesn't mean you should abruptly cut off all communication with your mom. That's not what we're talking about. The key is having healthy boundaries and you must decide what those boundaries are. Now, I wanna say a few words to the dads in the room. First, if you're a dad, I want you to know that it's never too late to close the gap with your son, no matter how old he is. Sometimes older dads can wish that they would have known this stuff earlier. And now that their son is out of the house, it can feel like it's too late. You know, it's never too late. You can't change the past, but you can make changes right now. Maybe you do need to apologize. Maybe you need to tell your son where you messed up. Perhaps your son still needs to hear from you the three essentials. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're good at something. Any son, no matter how old he is, will appreciate his dad's love, affirmation, and encouragement. Do you need to reconnect with your son? I want you to accept responsibility for that and begin to lead courageously. Get some quality time with your boy so that you can tell him if you failed in some areas and so that you can affirm him and bless him. Also, give him an opportunity to share too. Now, he may say some hard things, but it could be exactly what is needed in the relationship. Regardless of your son's response, you can begin to move forward in authentic manhood. Dads, here's another thing. Remember, every dad and every future dad needs to know this. Wounding your son to some degree is unavoidable. The fact is, all of us are flawed humans with strengths and weaknesses. And it's simply impossible for your son to not be affected by your weaknesses. So we don't need to try to act like we're perfect or have it all together or don't have any weaknesses. A better approach is to acknowledge our flaws both to ourselves and to our sons. Only then can we help ourselves and our sons move past them. Now, check out these life-changing true stories that will allow us to see how ordinary guys have dealt with these issues in their lives. It's going to encourage you and hopefully inspire all of us to do the hard work we need to do in these areas. My dad, I've always remembered him as somewhat the smartest man in the room, but um, distant. He was always either gone in the streets or um, doing some other random deal or um, just drinking, partying, but he really wasn't at home with me. I think he was a man who was more caught up with himself than anybody else around him. He went to England for the first time when I was eight. My thought was he was going on a vacation again. He just never returned. So it, it, there wasn't any sense of closure. There wasn't any sense of, okay, he's gone. He just left. Right after he left, I was molested um, by the living help of this woman who was there. She was um, 16, 17, I was um, just turning 10. And I was molested for a while. And that created a rift in my mind because I thought he was supposed to protect me. So not only did he turn his back on me, he left me home to be abused for about three months. After that, we didn't really talk for like years on end. 
where I would go a couple of years without him calling me. Personally, I hated him. I hated him like full out hatred. I wanted to nothing to do with him. I didn't want to be anything like him. And I started to come to men's fraternity. It was at 6 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. And in men's fraternity, I got to know Pastor Carter and I got to know the other guys. He was sharing his experience with his father and all he has his father wound and what he was going through to do it, um, to address it and what he's been through and how it helped him. And he told me I need to write a letter to my father. So I decided I was going to try. I wrote a letter to my father. It talked about how I felt when he left me, how I felt when I was abused. I just tried to share that with him. And at the end of the letter, I wrote, I forgive you and I love you. Now I have no clue how I wrote that because I still didn't think that I had forgiven him. And I said, you know, if you want a relationship, I'm open to it. But um, I sealed the letter, sent it off, didn't expect to hear back from him. He actually never responded by a letter. He called me actually um, crying and trying to talk to me and say, you know, he's so sorry that I got molested. He's so sorry that, you know, I felt that way towards him and, um, and he loved me. And when I heard those words, I love you, it just messed me up, man. Um, you know, as a little kid who always wanted to hear that from his father and I always looked up to his father to hear that finally. I haven't seen him in 18 years at that time. I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I kept on praying and asking God to help me. And then eventually I decided I was going to try to make the first step and go over there and try to see him. And the best feeling I felt was looking at him and seeing him walk up to me. I felt love in my heart. I don't know how that felt, man. That, that's just... Man. To hate somebody your whole life and to see him for the first time in 18 years and to feel love in your heart, That's Jesus right there, man. Who else but Jesus? For me to hate somebody my whole life, most of my life, even when I was there, I hated him. And to feel love in your heart the first time you see him. Forgiveness is not for that person. Forgiveness is for nobody but you. And that's what I realized. The time that I forgave my father is the time that I started to heal. I would say earlier on in this, this journey with my mom and my family, I definitely took more of a passive situation. It was more of the prayer of Lord, take this cup away from me. Growing up, I would say like my mom was really my best friend. I would consider one of my best friends. And it was one of those things where I realized that she was the person that if I had any of my deepest needs, deepest struggles, she would be the person I would confess to, the person that really just I brought everything to. And, and I think a lot of it was because, I mean, she was the pillar of our home. My dad left at, a, at an early age. He played pro football. And at the end of that, his career, it kind of destroyed their marriage. I realized that this bond of me sharing everything eventually turned into a, this really dependency and, and, and it began to become an unhealthy relationship. And it was, it was fine, I guess, while I didn't have an, any other really strong or core relationships. But when I got married, it was all of a sudden that this became a problem because I wasn't only about me, I had a family that I had to consider. And I really began to wrestle with that tension of 
you know, how can I'm trying to establish a family, but then I'm also having a needing and a hurting mom. It kind of feels like this, this burden of responsibility, this weight that I have to return all that she's given to me back to her. And I do, and I want to honor her and respect her in all those, those ways. And I told my mom, is this mom, you're a welcome addition to this family, but you can't be the center of attention. And this is just an ongoing thing for us. But one of the things that we've tr we've implemented was this creating healthy boundaries. There's times where, you know, for instance, we were giving her money and we were giving her handouts that we had to say, mom, there's a certain amount of money that we have budgeted and I'm, and I'm unable to affect my family in order to help you and to help bad decisions. So we've created budgetary restraint and I'm um, giving her money. We've made the determination that we are not going to give her any more handouts, not just to protect me, but it's also it helps her and enables her to be have a more prosperous and more fruitful life. She's learned to respect the family, respect um, our relationship. And so really the reality of it has been fruitful when I made that switch to understand that I'm responsible to to lead courageously. And even at times it may seem like I'm hurting my mom. It actually has turned for the better. It's turned for the good. I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of 13. Being the youngest of 13, made life a little bit difficult because uh, I felt like I was competing with all my brothers uh, for the love of my dad and uh, the love of my mom. And with my dad, it was a normal relationship, you know, but, the, but there was lack of something. There was a lack of closeness. Sometimes I, I felt lonely. Sometimes I felt like I, 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 I didn't have a clear direction and I needed someone to relate with closely and I didn't have anyone. And um, so I was doing some wrong stuff. And that moment, I didn't have Christ in my life. And then uh, I was just enjoying life as any normal teenager. I, uh, I got this phone call. And uh, people were telling me that my dad had a stroke. They were moving, my brothers were moving him to the city, to the hospital. And since no one of them lived in the city, I was the only one living in the city. I had the privilege of being with him at, this, at the hospital. And he couldn't eat by himself. He couldn't, he, he barely speak. So I was going for 21 days to the hospital three times a day to feed him. So that was the key moment. I, I developed a good relationship with my dad in the last 20 days, 21 days of his life. And, and it, was, it was so good to be with him. It was so great to be with him because it was he and I together. And about the 12th day, he was at the hospital. He said to me, Daniel, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you something. And I said, what is it, daddy? He said to me, Daniel, I love you so much. And I don't want to die before I tell you that. Because maybe I haven't told, but I love your other brothers and sisters. And I want to have the chance to tell you. And that was a key defining moment in my life. I felt so happy. I felt like all the things that I was having lack of just vanished away. You know, those 21 days 
they mean a lot to me. Maybe I didn't have a real nice, defined relationship with my dad, but the last 21 days of his life just made me who I am right now. And uh, I miss him very much. And it's nothing like having your daddy, nothing like having someone to tell you that you are loved and they care for you. And I'm the father of three boys, 15, 13, and seven, Pablo, Danny, and Marco. And because of the healing of my life, now I can surely say that I relate with my kids, but I love them and they know that I love them because I tell them every day that I love them because I know how important it is for them to know that they are loved and they are understood as men. We talk and we joke, you know, and, and we, we have a really good relationship. And I know I'm able to do that because somebody else did it with me and I was my dad. I'm originally from Louisiana. I was born in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, back in 1965. My professional background is martial arts. Uh, I've taught martial arts for mm, about 25 years. I hold a seventh degree black belt, which is karate and jiu-jitsu mixed together in the art of Keichudo. And it's a mixture really of punching, kicking, throwing groundwork. I've had the privilege of using my skill sets to train other people. Uh, from law enforcement to the military. I've worked with guys who were in Force Recon in the Marine Corps, special operators from Delta Force to SEAL team members, and we've trained over 30 world champions. My stepfather, Mr. K, uh, came into our family's life, and I mean, I was just, I was a little toddler kid, uh, but I think my mom thought this would be good. You know, he seems to have his life together, and he seemed to like us kids. So she married him, but it, it turned out bad real quick because he, one was an alcoholic and he was abusive mentally, physically, sexually to both my mom and kids. And, you know, there was four of us in varying degrees of abuse, whether it was physical or we all went through the emotional torment. He dunked me in a tub one time, bent me over a tub of water, and he's dunking me and he'd hold me there and he'd say, hold your breath and pull me up. And I would have to count to 25. Because that's when I know it was, that's how long I could hold my breath. And he held me down one time. I guess the oxygen deprivation and I passed out. I woke up on the floor, looking up on that wet tile floor him breathing in my mouth. His first words were, boy, I'm the one that gives you life. You better never forget it. I was traveling, speaking, and I went through a little town I used to live in, and I really felt like God Almighty said, go find your stepfather. And I thought, oh, man, Lord, it's been years, and I don't know how I'd feel around that man. And and through a sister, I found his number, and she said, you know, Dad's sick. He's really sick, and I think you need to come down. I was there when the doctor came in and looked at him and said, I'm very sorry to tell you, you have about two weeks to live. He was, his insides were totally destroyed. 
all that hard drinking and doing them drugs and all the horrible lifestyle had, had caught him. And now he's dying. And then I felt God's spirit uh, wanting to love, show that man love through me, which is, it's beyond anything I can describe. Uh, and it's just almost, well, it's like the Bible says, I had to die to myself. Because, you know, part of me thought, well, you finally getting what you deserve. But yet God is saying, but I care for him. I died for him. Good Lord, but look all the evil. Yeah. At the same extent, but you did wrong anything, and I died for you. So, yeah. And the last night before I'd see him anymore, I was, uh, I was sleeping. It was about four o'clock in the morning. I woke up. I, mean, I woke up, just clearly woke up. And this burden for this man's soul was so intense. I started praying, God save him. God save this man. I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want him to go to hell. And then I started weeping for. And I couldn't believe it. I got on my knees on the side of that bed and was praying for this man. And I was shocked more than anybody else. My wife saw me. She was praying. I thought, man, I never see anything like this. You know, and the next morning I, I went in early and he had a new nurse. And he did like this. He said, hey, nurse. He said, uh, this is my son. He said, I'm proud of him. He's been worried about my eternity. But he don't have to worry no more. He said, I made it right with God last night. It was such a holy moment. I mean, I can't even explain it through words. I know the nurse kind of just like backed up. You know, to say it, you could sense the the presence of God so real. And I and then he turned and he looked at me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I didn't I didn't know what to say or do. I looked right in his eyes and he looked at mine. And I said, Dad, I love you. And for the first time ever in my life, he looked up at me. He said, Boy, I love you too. And it felt good. I'm not going to lie. It felt good to, to feel redemption between, you know, someone you thought was your dad as a kid and all the abuse. And, and uh, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. There's a connection where kids always want to connect with their parents no matter how bad they are. But I tell you what, that day God set me free because I'd truly forgiven that man. You know, those were some incredible stories. Yeah, they were. And it was such a helpful session to begin to try and process how a man takes that next step. Well, uh, I, have a, I have with us a letter from a man that was a part of this same material. He was 40 years old, and he began to try and take some steps to try and make some breaks from his mom. So he wrote her a letter trying to put some boundaries in place. And after she received his letter, uh, she sent him a letter back. Here's the letter. Dear son, maybe there is no legal means for you to get rid of me as your mother or mother-in-law. But I can sure try to make it easier for you to be free of me emotionally. I hereby grant you permission to forget that I ever exist. <laughs> or ever was or ever will be a part of your life or your lives of your children. And then she doesn't stop there. She keeps going on. Then she gets to P.S. I know how Jesus felt when he spoke in Matthew 23. Oh, how I have longed to gather you together as a hen gathers a chick under her wings. But you were not. <laughs>
man, it is harder than we ever thought. Oh, yeah. To be able to try and take that step and to deal with those that attach. Yeah. So here's a guy who's really trying to do the right thing. He's trying to honor her, but also honor his wife and set some boundaries. It just blew up in his face. You let him have it. But that's really kind of the point is we can't control how others respond to us. All we can do and encourage other men to do is kind of take the right steps into these wounds. And um, that is the step into manhood. Yeah. Yeah. The healing is not in their response. The healing is in us taking responsibility. That's exactly right. And, and you know, that's, that's what it was with, uh, with me, uh, with my relationship with my dad. And then he died when I was 10 and then I just stuffed all that. And, but in my twenties, I realized I've got to deal with this unfinished business. Uh, I don't, I've only been to my dad's uh, gravesite three times. Uh, the first time was when we buried him. Uh, the last time was when we, we buried my mom. The other time, though, was when I, I stood over his grave and I just began to imagine uh, his life growing up and, you know, his relationship with his dad, whom I, I never knew, you know, his, my granddad, and, and, and just how clueless he was. And I, I suddenly began to feel compassion on him, you know, and, and I, uh, I kind of released him in that moment and, and I forgave him. Now, the thing is, I didn't get a response from him. Sure. He was dead. Sure. But the, the peace, the, the, the healing came when I took responsibility. Yeah, I never forget when I first got exposed to this material and I was working my way through the training guide and realized my action step was going to have to be to confront my own mom and confront my mm-hmm. mother-in-law and kind of take some ground back when it came to holidays and family vacations. And up until that point, my wife and I and kids just went with the flow. And I just realized, man, I've got to put a stake in the ground and, and kind of had to write the letter and make the phone call and say, hey, we may or may not be home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's no longer an assumed expectation. We may or may not go on the family vacation. You ask us, you know, and we might go, we might not, we might go for a part of it. But that's from this point forward going to be our decision. And boy, taking those steps and even feeling some of that resistance and some paying the penalty for that for a little bit. But ultimately, what that did inside of me as a man to take a stand for my family, set a boundary, create some space was powerful. That's awesome. And you didn't get a PS with scripture? No, no. Unfortunately, I didn't get that. Yeah. And that's the real reality. That's our challenge. That's what we're calling the men to do now is to begin to really take that next move. Take that next step toward that healing. This is where a man has to reject passivity because otherwise he'll just stay closed off from that part of his life. But when he accepts responsibility, he begins to make the steps necessary to experience his healing and become an authentic man. Yeah, I know it's our deep desire that there will be hundreds and thousands of stories that come out of men who kind of have the guts kind of step up and man up and step into this and boy, see some real healing and redemption in their own lives. And so next session, we're going to head into another wound, the all alone wound and what life looks like when we don't choose to live it with mentors and friends. I'm doing the best I can. Can't you get off my back? There are individuals out there who want to walk with you through things and who want to talk with you. Here we are at the all alone wound. I find myself often struggling with loneliness. So we really need each other more than we really realize. Teammates in life are essential for us to become better men. We are talking about character shaping, burden sharing relationships. You can't make the journey to authentic manhood alone. He knew we needed each other. We needed a team. 